During this time, I want to introduce our guest speaker. Uh, his name is Pastor Alex Wallington. He's spoken to our church both uh, in person and online. He's a RUF minister. Uh, RUF is the campus ministry of our denomination, and he's a campus minister of the RUF at USC. Um, Alex is a good friend. He's been uh, he's been a good friend of mine and our church for a while. He lives in the the South Pasadena area with his wife and three kids. He's grown to have a love for LA and a love for our church as well. And so we're grateful for him. And so Alex is going to be speaking a word from John 10, 1 to 18 with a sermon called The Good Shepherd. And I'm going to welcome Alex to speak now. Good morning, City Light. It's good to be with you again virtually. Uh, let's continue our worship this morning uh, through a reading from God's Word. This comes from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 10. Uh, Jesus said this and John recorded it. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of the strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd does not own the sheep. He will see the wolf coming and leave the sheep and flee. And the wolf will snatch them and scatter them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold and I must bring them in also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord, and I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. These words of Jesus are often um, put together in sort of a series together called the I Am Statements. Uh, they're significant statements that Jesus gives about himself that tells us uh, who he is and what he's come to do. And uh, they're grounded in this uh, amazing place in Exodus 3 where the living God comes to Moses and tells him that he wants to go to he wants him to go to Egypt and to lead his people out of slavery. And when Moses asks him, uh, "Who should I say that sent me?" God says, "Tell him I am sent you." And so all these uh, statements in the Gospel of John, where Jesus says, "I am," he's uh, picking up on that moment and saying, "The one who sent Moses into Egypt, uh, that's me." 
And I'm going to tell you about who I am now and what I've come to do. And so he says things like, uh, I am the light of the world. He says things like, I am the bread of life. Uh, I am the resurrection of life. And I am the way and the truth and the life. But this one's a little bit unique because most of those, what they say, is uh, about what Jesus uh, will do for his people. But this one's a little bit unique because it talks about who Jesus will be for his people. And that is, we're told that he'll be a shepherd. So this whole text is about uh, how Jesus is a shepherd. It's about how how He cares for us. So let's learn about how Jesus cares for us in three ways. Let's learn about uh, the clarity of His care. And secondly, let's see the heart of His care. And thirdly, let's uh, stare into the intimacy by which He cares for us. So first, let's understand the clarity of His care. Jesus is really concerned throughout this whole text about us being able to distinguish between false care, what he defines as a thief and a robber, and true care, what he defines by the shepherd. He says, look, you are going to be shaped by somebody. And so we have got to become aware of that. Uh, And what's not up for debate is whether or not you are shaped and influenced by someone else. And in 2020 Americans, uh, we are in an incredible denial about that because we want to believe that we're sort of making our own identity and determining this for ourselves. Uh, Charles Taylor, uh, the great philosopher, wrote a book, though, called uh, Sources of the Self. And in the book, what he does is he talks about in the history of the world, almost uh, consecutively across culture and languages, uh, identity and values in the world have been determined by the same thing. It's been determined by your family and by your immediate cultural in, or by your immediate familial influence. And families will tell us who we are and tell us what we should value in the world. And then when we grow up into that, we get affirmed. But the West has been the first culture in the history of the world that has sort of rejected that and said, no, 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 don't let anybody tell you who you are. Uh, You need to learn who you are and learn what you value by looking way deep into your heart and finding what you think is most true down there. But Taylor says uh, the pattern, though, is once we find something that we're sure tells us who we are at the bottom of our heart, the first instinct we have is to go out into the world and to look at external people and affirm what we found in the bottom of our heart. And he says, but because we're doing it in a way that no one's ever done before, we're incredibly fragile with which, with how we do this. And so anybody who sort of uh, rejects or has any pushback on what we found, we want nothing to do with them. And so we end up sort of having an echo chamber of care, which for the most part ends up being sometimes a thief and a robber. And so it's really important for us to sort of understand the clarity of what what Jesus' care that he's urging us to look into because you're either cared for by a thief and a robber or a shepherd. Now we can talk about thieves and robbers in uh, very secular ways, but also in incredibly religious ways. And the latter is really what Jesus wants us to sort of look into in this text. Um, because he, when he says in verse 1, Truly, truly, I say to you. And then again in verse 7, Truly, truly, I say to you. Uh, if you have the NIV and you read that, it will say, Amen, Amen. Uh, the old King James will say, Verily, verily. Uh, those are ancient Semitic ways Uh, for a teacher to begin to comment on something that actually happened. 
And so when Jesus talks about being a thief and a robber here, and I'm wanting to clarify for us, he's actually commenting on something that just happened in John chapter 9. And what he's doing is he's looking back in a moment where there was a blind man that Jesus healed. And the blind man went back into his uh, religious community and was rejected uh, by the teachers of the law and the Sadducees and thrown out and called a liar and a demon. And they used the uh, the idea that it happened on the Sabbath as a way for them to, to uh, throw him out and uh, let that be something that they would have uh, nothing to do with and abuse their care with him. And uh, Jesus is, is sort of coming in that situation and saying there are all sorts of places uh, in uh, religious communities where that kind of care can show up. And I, I read these stories and hear these things and always wonder, like, how do people continually uh, let these kinds of people and let these situations shape them? And well, the text tells us because they're uh, what Jesus says, thieves and robbers. The Greek words there are kleptos and lestos which literally mean deception and destruction. So the image is this, is that uh, the nature of thieves and robbers cares, it doesn't come uh, like bolstering, uh, hey, Jesus is false, uh, Christianity is not true, um, all those uh, things that you've heard, that's an absolute lie. It actually comes very subtle, very covert-like, uh, somebody picking your pocket. Um, hopefully you have actually experienced this, but if you don't know what it's like, uh, sort of the strategy is that somebody gets your attention over here with something fascinating, interesting, worth staring at, and while you look over here, they reach back around with the other hand and steal your wallet. And Jesus says there is a lot of care uh, spiritually happening uh, towards God's people in the midst of the church that is just like that. So then the question is, well, well, if it's deceptive and subtle, how do we know? Well, he gives us three litmus tests here that will help us clarify uh, what his care is from thieves and robbers. Uh, The first test is their distinct messages. He says uh, there's two messages uh, that will come for God's people. One is uh, through the door, and the other is the other ways. And the other ways are ways that go into God's people with messages that are anything but through the door, which Jesus says is himself, Jesus. And what he's doing here is he's saying, uh, he's commenting on the Pharisees. And he's trying to warn us that there will people, there will be people who will come into the church and come into our lives and they will, uh, they will talk about God's word. They will talk about God. They will talk about your need for God. They will talk about the significance of the law. And they will talk about the need for us all to change. But they all will always do it in sort of a, a way that gets uh, lost in the forest staring at the trees. See, what, what the Pharisees and teachers of the law did here is, is they got so caught up in the Sabbath uh, that they missed the point of the Sabbath. See, Jesus gave life to this man on the Sabbath, and they had missed the whole point of the Sabbath, which is to give life. And what other way teaching will be is it will always focus on the things that are peripheral and make them central. 
It will always, in a sense, talk about uh, who you should be and what you should be doing more so than it will talk about who Jesus is and what he has done. Because what the door is, which is the message of true shepherding, is it will always be about Jesus. And it will always be first and foremost about who Jesus is and what he has finally accomplished for us, all in his cross and death and resurrection. And what true care is, is understanding that the messages that we ought to be given are always uh, calling us uh, into Christianity, through Christianity, and persevering us all through the Christian life, all on Jesus, and that the fundamental message continually is way more first and foremost what Jesus has done and who He is for us before we ever talk about who we should be and what we're doing. But what uh, the other way we'll do is it will reverse that and say, first and foremost, the consistent question in your life is, who are you and what are you doing? And Jesus says, those aren't like two types of teaching. It's not two denominations. He says, one is actually Christianity and true shepherding, and the other is a thief and a robber. And the second test that sort of builds on that that you can begin to tell uh, the clarity between true shepherding and thieves and robbers is the fruit that comes from those messages. Uh, we're told this in Jesus, and by Jesus in verse 10. He says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He says uh, the messages, the other ways... Um, what they will do is you can begin to know that this is uh, not from my my view of shepherding. This is not from my uh, my intended care because uh, what will happen in your life is the teaching that you will constantly hear, it will always be stealing your assurance, it will always be killing your freedom, and it will always destroy almost any possibility you have of joy. Because when you are hearing nonstop about who you should be and what you should be doing and making the peripheral points of the law the central idea of Christianity, you know what you'll, do, you'll be doing? You'll be constantly wondering if you're a Christian. And uh, you will become so judgmental and you will look down on anybody else who's not doing it. And you will have no freedom and there will be no joy because all of the things you'll be doing, it will be doing so that you don't lose your salvation. And it will rob you of everything the Christian life is meant to be doing. But Jesus says, if you're hearing messages that are truly caring for you, that are about me, what it will do is he says in verse 9, you'll be able to go in and out of the door, which is an ancient Near Eastern way of talking about uh, normal life. Um, just our everyday practical life in a free way. And then he says, and you will find pasture, which is an overture to Psalm 23. And then again, he amplifies it in verse, the latter part of verse 10 when he says, uh, my message is they will give you life and give it to you abundantly. Meaning this, when you begin to hear nonstop about the final full work of Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection, what it will do is it will give you full assurance. It will make you absolutely free to give your life fully to Him because you know it will be only in joy and love and fulfillment. And it will give you what Psalm 23 refers to as the good life. One commentator said on this, 
He said, look, anything, any message that is not overtly about Jesus over and over and over again is set to rob you and destroy your life. And Jesus wants you to be very wise to be able to clarify that kind of teaching so that you can have that kind of fruit in your life. But the third test that he gives us after the messages and the fruit is the motivation of the two. He says... uh, What thieves and robbers uh, will care for you for is just for themselves. That is, they came to seemingly uh, so interested in you, so interested in what would happen to you, but it was truly for their own glory. Uh, When he mentions the hired hand, it was even for the benefits that it gave them in their own life. But true shepherding, what it will do is it will care for you for you. And here's how you can know the the difference between the two is because when a crisis happens, See, when a crisis happens, uh, false care will always flee because once you stop giving them what they actually wanted, they're gone. But what true care will do is it will cost the person caring for you way more than it will cost you to receive it, which means in a crisis, they will be tempted to throw down their life to make sure that you know the joy and the freedom of the gospel to taste it. Uh, in his commentary, Dale Bruner tells a story of a Palestinian woman who uh, um, lost her husband and therefore all of the assets that were in their estate got tied up uh, with some, uh, something else. And so she went to try to reclaim um, part of their assets, which in the, ancient, uh, in the Middle East uh, was just sheep. So she took um, her son and they went to this place where there were just hundreds of sheep in a pen and she asked an officer, can I please reclaim uh, the sheep that we lost? And he just laughed at her. He said, there's hundreds. How in the world could you find your own? And she just asked, please, for permission to try. So he let them. And the son went into the pen and pulled out a flute and just started playing a tune. And he started playing the same tune over and over and over again. And the sheep immediately that were theirs looked up, stared at them, and began to walk out and follow them home. And they reclaimed all 25 of them. And look, and here's what uh, this tells us to sort of wrap up the clarity of this teaching. Is that you can know and clarify true shepherding from false thieves and robbers when the tune of the church is giving you over and over and over this, that Jesus came to free and save lost sinners. Look, and when you're hearing that and feeling that, and that's the impulse, listen, that's the care of the true shepherd. Let me apply this in two different ways for us. For one, for those of you who have been hurt and burned by thieves and robbers, uh, this is without a doubt maybe the most uh, pervasive ongoing objection that we have now uh, to the Christian faith. And if that has happened to you, let me plead with you and say, please, please don't leave the faith in the church over that objection for the same reason we should not walk away from classical music because we went to a seven-year-old's recital and he just destroyed Beethoven. But you need to know, like in places like Ezekiel 34, that Israel abused their authority 
and uh, took advantage of so many of the marginal outsiders uh, with the authority they've been given. And God gives a scathing review and a scathing critique of their leadership that is way harsher than anything we would have ever said to our own leaders. And so you can know, listen, if you've been burnt by thieves and robbers, listen, the living God doesn't ever cover it up, but He stands with you to critique it. But for those of us who are in positions uh, to lead and to shepherd and to care uh, for God's people, listen, it is incumbent upon us to always be asking ourselves and uh, to be pressing one another to make sure that we have the clarity that Jesus asks us to have here in this text for God's people. What we sing, how we care for people, and what they feel, it ought to be the clear, loving care of the Good Shepherd. And so Jesus wants us first and foremost to know the clarity of His care. But secondly... He wants us to know the heart of His care. And He tells us this in this seminal statement in verse 11. I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down His life for the sheep. He says, here's the heart of my care. It's that I am a good, worthy, and noble shepherd. And you can know I'm good because I will lay my life down for the sheep. And I love that. He says, I'll lay it down for the sheep. That's not meant to be uh, an encouraging, sentimental comment for us. I mean, sheep are people that uh, they can't care for themselves. Often the care that they need, they reject. Uh, They have to be reminded over and over again of everything that they need. And if they were left to themselves, they would probably die. And Jesus says, there are those people who want little to do with me, who even reject most of the things that I want to give them in their life, uh, who don't even know how to receive me and need reminder over and over again about how much I care for them because they've already forgotten it. I will lay my life down for those people. John Calvin tells us in his uh, commentary on this, he says, uh, for sheep... Their salvation is dearer to Jesus than his own life. He says, that's the heart of how I want to care for my people. One of the best pictures I've ever seen of this is from the movie a couple years ago, A Quiet Place. Do you remember that? With John Krasinski. Uh, It's about this family, the Abbots, that's sort of living in a post-apocalyptic world. Uh, Funny enough, in the movie it says 2020, uh, which makes sense now. But uh, they're living in a place where aliens have taken over and they can hunt you if they hear something. So everything has to be done quietly. And in the movie, John Krasinski has this really difficult relationship with his oldest daughter. Um, She's uh, resistant to his love and care. She doesn't believe he loves her. Uh, She even um, tries to run away from home and thinks she can make life on her own. She even uh, gets caught with her brother towards the end of the movie. And uh, when the brother says, hey, dad will come for us, Uh, She says, no, he'll come for you, but not for me. Um, She's also deaf, and he is given multiple uh, attempts to try to fix her hearing, and she gets to the point where she doesn't even want him to try and even insults his attempts. And she's just a a sheep. She doesn't think he loves her. Uh, She resists his care when he tries to give it. She thinks she can make it on her own. 
and uh, she has this very just stay away kind of relationship with him. And towards the end of the movie, the climax, if you remember what happens, is she and her brother are stuck under a truck because uh, an alien is attacking them. And John Krasinski sees what's happening and realizes what must be done. He realizes, I've got to save my children, probably from my, with my own life. And she sees him and notice what he must do. And he looks at this daughter who wanted nothing to do with him, who had resisted him the whole movie. And he looks at her and says, and she, he just simply says, I love you. And then he signs, I have always loved you. And then he screams out with all that he is so that the alien will chase him and sacrifice his own life so his children can get away. I mean, earlier in the movie, Emily Blunt had asked her husband, she said, who are we if we cannot protect our own children? And he's telling her in that moment, I'll tell you who um, we are. I'm a father who lays down his life for his family. And Jesus wants us to know that the heart of his care is exactly like that. That for those of us who have not known how to be spiritually faithful, who have not known how to care and to love our neighbors, not know how to do any of this well, he says, listen, I will care for you like a shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. And you know what that does for us if, if we will uh, let the heart of his care come into our church right now? It does a couple things. It, it, a, it gives us assurance. I mean, it tells us uh, that we are absolutely secure in His hand. Later on in chapter 10, He'll say, No one can snatch them out of my hand. And you know how we know that? Because this is our ransom. The shepherd giving his life here, He's giving to God what we should have given Him, which is our whole life. And He's laying down what we cannot lay down, which is the penalty for all of our sheepness. In Him laying His life down, it's our ransom to know that we will never, ever, ever be snatched out of God's hand. And He will love us all the way to the end. And you know what that will also do is be, it will unite the world. He says there are other sheep. And when they hear this voice, when they hear the song of the shepherd laying down his life for the sheep, you know what they'll do? They will come from every culture. They will come from every tongue. They will come from every barrier the world wants to throw at us. And they will come be one people. And this is one of the most amazing defenses to me of the Christian faith. That uh, no matter our culture, no matter our language, no matter our background, our differences, uh, the song of Jesus the Good Shepherd laying down His life for the sheep, it, it will overcome it all and make us one people. And then you know what this will do? In verse 17 it says, It will delight the Father so much that this will be the song He sings. That the Father in Heaven, the Creator, you know what He sings and delights His heart over? It's the Gospel. It's the fact that the shepherd laid down his life for the sheep and gave everything he was for the sheep. And it says that will take not just earth and bring it together, it will bring heaven to earth and unite them as one. And right now, in the midst of this culture where we feel so fractured and we feel so divided, do you know what we need more than anything in all of the care and repair that we're going to do? At the heart of it, we need the song of this shepherd laying down his life for the sheep. Because if it's enough to unite heaven and earth, it's enough to repair the broken parts of this world that we're in right now. And that's the heart of Jesus' care.
He wants us to know the clarity of His care, the heart of His care, but thirdly and lastly, He wants us to know the intimacy in His care. That the shepherd laying down his life for his sheep, it's not just religious information. It's not just an idea. It's not just wisdom for you to imitate. It is meant to be personally caring for you. That is, Jesus' care for you has got to have your name on it. Because he tells us this in verse 14. He says, this is so gentle. I know my own. And my own know me. We are not just Jesus' army. We are not just His uh, students. We are not just His disciples. He says, they are my own. And then He says, and I will know them in Trinitarian, intimate-like ways, just as the Father knows me. Uh, This is amazing. Uh, This is astonishing. Uh, Because only the Father could know Jesus. I mean, only the Father could know what the temptation was like for Him in the desert. I mean, only the Father could know uh, how uh, painful and lonely His prayers were in the garden. I mean, only the Father could know what He went through on the cross. Because remember, everybody abandoned Him. Everybody walked away. Only the Father could know all that was like. And Jesus says, look, not for just passionate people, not for people uh, who are getting their life together. Look, for sheep, they will know and experience the Father's love that He has for me and gave all of the admiration and glory to me for all who I was on the cross through laying my life down. The moment we believe, He gives all that to us and knows us in the exact same ways. It's unbelievable. It's, it's that we experience eternal, beautiful intimacy in ways the world has never seen and known with our name on it the moment we believe. Look, uh, John Bunyan, commenting on this text, he says this, Jesus, His heart is set towards us, not like an arrow shot too quickly that falls to the ground before its target. It is like an avalanche that grows in momentum and a fire that continues to spread. Look, Christianity will always be uh, this abstract information to you. Um, This interesting principle that we ought to add into our lives. And it will never be this beautiful, exhilarating, uh, life-defining care for you until you realize that all of it, that the name uh, of Jesus and His work on the cross comes after your name and makes it personal for you. Have you let it make it per- made him? Per- have you let him make it personal for you? Where the cross has your name on it, where Jesus, He's saying, up on the cross, that He thought to know us in the same intimate ways that the Father knew Him in His death. Do you know that intimately for you? Because for those of you who have felt like you're like one of the one of the ninety nine, where you've just struggled to hold on, and maybe you're like a back of the bus Christian. And John Owen says about you. He says, "Look, there is not the meanest, the weakest, or poorest believer on earth. To those that think of themselves that way, Jesus prizes them more than his own life and calls them by name." I mean, Somebody using your name is one of the most powerful, intimate things in the world. That's why it's one of the most condoned business practices. 
And and why it's so fearful when somebody forgets your name who should have known your name. I remember one time at a church here in Los Angeles, I went up to take communion. And uh, a guy I knew, he had the elements. And there's lots of things that he could have said to me. There's sort of general spiritual uh, practice. You know, hey, this is uh, Jesus' body and blood. Uh, This is communion. Uh, This is the Lord's Supper. Take it for you. But he looked at me and he said, Alex, this is the body and blood of the Lord Jesus given for you. And, and man, that rung home in profound ways that I had not heard that before. And this was not just uh, my weekly spiritual drop. This is the care of the Good Shepherd for me, and it's for you as well. Look, in this time and this place, who in this world will care for you in these ways? Because I'll tell you who will care for you. Jesus will. And He's the Good Shepherd and offers you that kind of care this morning. Let's take it. Let me pray for us that we will. Lord, um, the Gospel is so tricky. Uh, All we need to do is receive it. Your care, we don't have to earn it. Uh, We don't have to work for it. Uh, We don't even have to passionately pursue it. We just have to open ourselves up for it. And I pray that You would free... uh, this church this morning to just receive your open arms care. Give it to us, Jesus, in your powerful shepherding love. In his name we pray. Amen.